<laughs> I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Tuesday, April 14th. 2020. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage it in some cases start conversations. We kind of break the rules here for Native Radio. We don't do prayers or buffalo speeches or you know any mystic teachings about Native stuff. <laughs> we take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. And uh, we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that's heaped upon us. And we do it all right here, live from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind people that uh, our audio streams on our website, which is www.letstalknative.com. We stream live video of the show on let's talk on our let's talk native facebook group page via uh facebook live and that's shared across a bunch of other uh facebook group pages as well we take the audio and we uh, post it up onto soundcloud which puts it out as a podcast across all your favorite podcast platforms we take the video and we put it up on our youtube channel which is let's talk native tv uh, I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast or, and or subscribe to our YouTube channel. And, of course, I do encourage you to go to our, um, our website. Um, there we've got links to the video. We've got links to the, uh, to the podcasts. Uh, there's a there's a player there that you can like I said if you're if you you can listen to our live broadcast on our website uh, and when we're not live we've got a, a loop of uh, previous shows that you can listen to so there's always something you can you can catch there and of course like I said links to the podcast we also have our store so um, let me uh, again I I'm, I may not be the best model but uh, this is one of our our shirts it's um, it's a Washington Whiteskins shirt with the lead Washington uh, quarterback. Uh, <laughs> in the center of the shirt. This is an example of some of the stuff that we've, we've produced ourselves and we put it up on our, uh, our store page. So if you'd like, uh, to check out some Let's Talk Native, uh, merch, um, this is among one of the shirts. We've got, um, a bunch that, that Jake designed that, uh, use some pretty controversial, uh, images that are conversation starters, um, uh, or enders, <laughs> depending on who looks at your shirt, I guess. We um, kind of uh, key off of L. Frank Baum's racist comments, uh, the author of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. We have we post a couple of pictures of folks like George Washington and uh, Abraham Lincoln that tell a different version of that history. But um, uh, anyway, so these are some of the things that we have on our, uh, on our page. So if you go to our website, not only can you catch some Let's Talk Native content, but you can also look at uh, some of the stuff. And if you order our shirts, it uh, helps fund a little bit of what we do here. So, um, so there you go. All right. Um, I am the show's host and producer. I am joined here in studio by Jake Proud, who manages our audio and our video. And, uh, well, l- let, me, let me get right into it. Look, I titled this show Fattening the Curve. Now, I know you're used to hearing flattening the curve. But the point is, and I know Jake's going to pull up a, a, an image behind me at some point here. All of this talk about flattening the curve, I, I, th- I think people need to understand what that means. And, and it's not like they've hidden this, but when, when, they, when they talk about flattening the curve, what they're trying to avoid is a spike. In, on the, on, again, on the image behind us, you see the, the red curve is the curve they're trying to avoid. And you know, as, as far as graphs go, what the, the, 
the vertical line of the graph is uh, is the number of cases, and the horizontal line is uh, is the number of days. So the concern is if you had a whole bunch of cases in a short period of time, you would have a spike of cases all at once, and you would exceed the ability of hospitals to treat uh, patients. So if you can flatten the curve, if you can keep that curve from going as high then you can keep it closer to a range that hospitals can, can manage, which is essentially what's been effectively done. But here's the downside to it. The downside is you're lengthening. Notice that the, the curve that is flattened is, uh, is fattened, and that's where I get fattened, the curve. So if you notice, the, the, the blue curve extends for a much longer period of time. So to the extent there's been success in flattening the curve, and when the jury's out a little bit on that, I know the all the governmental officials are saying that they're that everybody's doing a wonderful job. Um, but if you flatten the curve, then you flatten the curve. So the the lower you bring that peak number of cases per day, the longer this this spread is going to continue. Now. I know they're not, they don't say that because it, it doesn't sound real comfortable. See, the, the whole idea here is if you look at the area in red versus the area in blue, the areas are about the same. So what they're saying is by flattening the curve, you're not really limiting the number of people who will be infected. You're just dragging out over a longer period of time. And you're doing it in such a way that you don't have that, again, that hospitals aren't inundated. This isn't even a curve about deaths or death rates or whatever else. The concern is that if you over exceeded the hospital's capabilities for treating patients, then you would have a, a higher death rate because you would have more people who aren't treated. So, uh, again, I don't know if we're being, if everybody's being totally truthful about flattening the curve because the numbers, everything in this, even on these graphs, is based on only cases that have been tested. And as I've said repeatedly on this show, the problem is not very many people have been tested. The United States still has not reached 1% of its population being tested. Still hasn't reached 1%. And in, in, in places like, uh, like New York and New Jersey where, where, where they've tested a lot more people you know, on a per capita basis, well, total and per capita, they've tested over 2, 2% in New York, 2.4% and, and almost 2.5% in, in New Jersey. But in those two places, um, you have uh, you've got um, uh, a, a what is it? It's the testing positive rate. the the rate of, the, the rate of testing uh, or, or positive tests. It's forty percent in in New York and fifty two percent New Jersey. So, well, you know, again, half of the people who are tested are, are positive. So again, but these are just the tests. It doesn't really. Um, it's not clear about what the general population is. So like, like today, for instance, today, um, again, some milestones crossed. I mean, in the, uh, um, oh, let's see, what is, what's the, the total in the United States is over uh, 600,000, um, 613,000 people. So, so they crossed over the, the 600,000 uh, um, mark. They also, um, the death total is at, at 26,000. Now, another milestone is on the world level. <clears throat> right now, it's just about 2 million people. It, you know, perhaps a rounding error short of it. I mean, it's, it's you know, 1,990 eight or something like that uh thousand people it's 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 i mean it's it's literally just a you know a couple of thousand people off of being a two million people and 
and it's it's 126,000 people that have died. But again, this is all these are only numbers that fit within the range of people who have been tested. And here's the thing that I've noticed is I've been looking at the numbers on this thing. The the United States had gotten to a place only last week where they were testing almost 150,000 people a day. But right now, they're only testing about 110,000. So so why why is that? Why is the why are the number the rate why is the rate of testing going down? Well, Look, we could be conspiracy theorists, and perhaps that's what I'm going to be here. I'm suggesting that the curve isn't flattening as much as the rate of testing is flattening. See, every day they were getting more and more testing going on. More and more testing was happening. And, and of course, we, st- we never know, and we will never know, whether the testing was ever keeping pace with the spread. There's no, there's really essentially no way to know of knowing that, but they were, they were testing more and more people every day until the last few days. And, and it's no coincidence, but the, but the federal government said that they were going to pull back on, uh, on federal testing facilities. So only state and counties are doing them. It's, you know, it's not FEMA, not CDC, not anymore. They've handed all that off to, uh, you know, to the hospitals, um, to the state facilities and county facilities. So from yesterday to today, only about 120,000 um, uh, more people were tested. And it had, been, it had gone up above, I think as high as 160,000 people a day were tested. Now, keep in mind, there's, there's 331 million, uh, million people in the United States. If you're only testing about 100,000 people a day, that's, that means you got it's going to take about 3,000 days to test everybody. And here's the problem with that. Once you've tested everybody, you got to test everybody again because anybody who passed the test, anybody who was tested negative, is still susceptible to the disease. So I, I've, I've rapidly gotten to a place where I'm wondering, is testing even relevant? I, I posted a you know, comment on Facebook today where I said, treat the sick, test the dead, and then test the living for antibodies because that's the only that's the only test result that matters if if you if you've had the the disease and survived it so your body has developed antibodies you're the only one who's safe around the disease after that arguably they don't really know for sure but if you tested negative today it doesn't mean you can't catch the disease tomorrow and since you're never going to test enough people, I mean, again, less than 1% of the U.S. population has been tested. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty small number to make judgments about apexes and, and about flattening the curve. And, you know, and even some of that. I mean, one of the things that Cuomo keeps saying is that the, um, the hospital admissions have, have dropped. Well, here's the problem that I have with that. Sure, they've dropped. But have they dropped because people are getting less sick? Or because for the drumbeat for the last six weeks is how the hospitals are overrun and how, how chaotic it is, how you don't have enough staff, you don't have enough beds, you don't have enough ventilators, you don't have, you know, a, a, you know just basic materials. So how many people who would have gone to the hospital aren't? Well, <laughs> that leads me to, uh, you know, to, and this is coming out of, out of New York City. So, Again, today 
wasn't we didn't break New York didn't break records for the number of new cases, but it was still almost twenty seven thousand new cases a day. But they did set a record for the number of deaths in one day. Twenty four twenty four hundred uh, two thousand four hundred seven people died today. That's higher than uh, than any previous uh, you know day. Now they're saying, well, it's because the lag between hospital admissions and deaths. Well, <clears throat> here's the the other tidbit of information new york city reported now this isn't this is the city reporting this now that 37 uh 3778 additional deaths that have occurred since march 11th that's just a little over a month ago have been classified as probable um uh, and and has defined probable as uh descendant uh, had no known positive laboratory test for COVID-19, but the death certificate lists as cause of death COVID-19 or an equivalent. Now, the site that I use, which is Worldometer, and I'm, I'm going to check and see what Johns Hopkins, what their dashboard is say, saying about this, but they said they um, they still aren't characterizing this 3,700 people um, as COVID deaths. They They're trying to figure out how you know how they can <clears throat> but it's it's worth noting that this isn't the first report that's coming out of new york city you know a couple of days ago new york city reported that they've had a 400 percent increase in cardiac arrests uh over the same time last month so and again if you're not testing everybody the only deaths that you're attributing you know officially to covid19 are those who were tested when they're alive because nobody's testing dead people and I think that, frankly, I think you know, finding cause of death is is um, is more important because look, if somebody comes to the hospital and they can't breathe, does it matter whether they have, they have COVID or not? I mean, you you've got to treat them as if they do anyway. You you still got to get you know get oxygen to them one way or the other. Now, and uh, and in, in terms of spread and that kind of stuff, look, it it, it like I said when in New York City. 40% of the people who are tested are testing positive, which means 60 of them aren't, but they're still sick enough to be in the hospital. <clears throat> so I don't even know, I mean, how they're separating those people. I mean, nobody in New York City or in New Jersey, for that matter, um, they only get tested if they show up at a hospital sick enough to be admitted. And I know that's the way it is in a lot of places. So... Look, the the scary thing is because there are politicians that are making judgments about how flat the curve has gotten, even though that flattening of the curve may have more to do with the, the limit of testing. Those guys are also starting to uh, starting to talk about opening up the economy again, putting people back to back to work. So are the graphs driving the decision to open up the economy or is the decision to open the economy driving the uh, driving the graphs i mean that's i know that sounds cynical but you know again for all those people who think that i'm buying everything the man is selling no i'm not i just have a different view about this thing i don't think this thing is a hoax i don't think this thing is being overhyped i think it's being downplayed i think this thing is worse than what people uh than most people know and like i said flattening the curve is fattening the curve so that means we're going to be in this thing for for twice as long than we would have had than we would have been if 
all the self-distancing and stuff didn't happen. Now, I'm not saying that shouldn't have happened. But I will tell you one thing. I know that there are guys like Stephen Miller and Jared Kushner advising the President of the United States who would have just soon let this thing spike early and get over as soon as possible. And you know why? I'll tell you why. Two reasons. Not only would the economy be shut down for a lot uh, lower time, you know, many fewer days, but think about it. These are the kind of people who say, look, if old people die, they're not productive in the economy anyway. They're a burden to the healthcare system. And homeless people, they're not contributing. They, for, for people like this, it's always a dollars and cents calculation. Now, don't mistake what I'm saying is something that I believe or that, that, that I'm in favor of. But I guarantee for all of those people who are touting this as a population adjustment, you know, and that, that man has a hand in it, well, man could have had a hand in it. And, and the more I hear about guys like Trump, you know, suggesting that it's time to, you know, restart the economy on May 1st. Well, you know, one of the one thing I will say, although flattening the curve didn't really stop the spread, and it may never have been the intent to, to do that. I don't know, because here's, what, here's the way it could have happened. If there was a very, very aggressive lockdown for 30 days, then, then, the, uh, then the virus could have been stopped. But as long as you have even just a few people still running around infecting people, because that's how it started, right? It only started with a few people, and then, it's, and then it spreads. But, you know, if, you, if, if the virus truly dies, you know, after, you know, because it can't be spread for a couple of weeks, then that would have been a way to end it. But that's not, that was never going to be done in this country. Because in this country, people have this false sense of what freedom really means. And, and it, it isn't freedom, you know, uh, I mean, people don't mind their freedom coming at the cost of others. And, and that's what you have here. So this is, um, look, I, I know that I, I don't do my show and tell you all kinds of happy news. Because there's no way to interpret this thing. Look, as, as you got folks like, you know, uh, Cuomo or Trump or anybody else trying to spin this in the most positive light, people are freaking dying. Lots of people are dying. And I know, look, I, I still see people posting, well, there hasn't been as many cases of COVID-19 as there was the flu or this and that. Well, this thing has only been in, 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 in existence for a couple of months, that measurably. The pandemic was only um, uh, declared a month ago. I mean, as a global pandemic, there was, there was health warnings before that. Clearly, more could have been done in February. But as far as any action taken in the United States, there's been no meaningful action in terms of behavior of Americans, except for, you know, three or four weeks ago. I mean, Trump was asked, you know, why didn't you do something in February? And he says, well, I stopped, you know, um, Chinese nationals from coming in on uh, on January 31st. Well, <laughs> ironically, it seems like Europeans are the ones who, uh, who who infected this continent. That's never happened before. So, I mean, and, and then Trump spent, uh, you know, the, the big part of, um, of February call, still calling it a hoax. And that the, the Democrats are trying to use this against him. And here's the part that's really pathetic. If Donald Trump 
can still mount an effective campaign against the weak candidates the Democrats have put up, having you know waged war against the media, uh, having been impeached, having you know a dozen of his, of his you know staff and, and some, including some cabinet members you know uh, convicted. Uh, people who worked on his campaign and, and, and his administration convicted of felonies. You know, like I said, being impeached and now mismanaging a global pandemic to the point where the United States leads in every category it doesn't want to lead in. Number of cases, number of deaths. And of course, it's still way down the line in terms of its rate of testing. And I'm not talking about how many tests per day. I'm saying percentage of your population there are 41 i think actually take it back i think there's 42 other countries that have tested a higher percentage of their population than the united states so when trump stands up and says that that he's created the united or he's made the united states the envy of the world well let's go back to calling it a laughing stock because that's what it is i mean it's really really important that people understand how badly this is being managed and, I, and, I, and i'm not saying any of this stuff because I'm trying to campaign for Joe Biden. You know, my feeling is after three and a half years of Donald Trump, if the best that Democrats could throw um, as a contender against Donald Trump was Joe Biden, well, you may deserve four more years of Trump. But here's the bad part. The worst part is that some of Trump's um, incompetence is costing lives. And, you know... Maybe that's okay if it's not anybody that you care about. But at some point, you are going to, somebody you know is going to be adversely affected by this. And I don't mean just get sick for a few days. Somebody you know is going to die because this thing was managed poorly. And I I don't know how, uh, I mean, you would think because the elderly population, which is, you know, by and large a big part of Trump's base, you would think that that would affect things, but I don't know. I know his poll numbers are dropping down, but not not the way you would think they they should. And you know, and the wealthy elite, they're still measuring his success based on the stock market. And even though it tanked, they're gonna say that wasn't his fault. And every day they have a positive day where it moves up a couple hundred points. You know, they, they all you know you know start slapping him on the back. He put together this new uh, task force or committee, and it's. It's family members of his, his son-in-law, his daughter, and and a, and a few other titans of the rich that are supposed to advise him about opening up the country again. I don't know. It's like I said, if if we could talk about a health risk, a global pandemic, and talk about it without it being political, that'd be great. But that's impossible. It's impossible to not understand the political implications. I mean, this is—I mean, this pandemic, by all you would you would think, would cost Trump his presidency. You know, and the and the part that's kind of you know shitty about it all is the Democrats are hoping this does cost him the presidency, which means that there's an indirect you know loss of life calculation against you know uh, uh, against beating trump there's a calculation there on on the side of the democrats so i mean this is this is the part that gets that gets really really creepy 
All right, hey, we're going to take a break here in just a minute. <clears throat> and um, and then when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about some of what's happening with not just the Seneca Nation here, Cattaraugus and Allegheny, but even the folks out in Tonawanda. Um, we do have uh, a couple of confirmed cases in uh, Seneca Nation territory, Cattaraugus and Allegheny, and apparently uh, a couple or at least a confirmed case in, uh, in Tonawanda. And, and I think that's causing people to take take actions that may not be as rational as what people people would anticipate i mean we knew it was out there folks and the idea that it's now um made its way in the door um that this isn't the time to overreact the you know whatever action should have taken place before you know could have taken place before but we'll talk about when we come back and this has to do with you know what do you do to limit you know people coming onto your territory and can are all territories the same can they all adopt the same kind of practice talked a little bit about it before but we'll talk about it more when we come back this is john kane this is let's talk native and we'll be right back in a few All right, thanks for coming back. This is John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. Uh, I want to um, I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank uh, Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses. I want to thank the good folks at uh, um, Grand River Enterprises and NWS. And look, and anybody else who has who has supported the show in, in the past and continues to show uh, support from time to time, you guys are the ones who um, who enable us to do this, even even now. When, uh, you know, when so many people are, are, you know, can't do their normal day-to-day activities, we've been doing this. We're, we, we do three shows a week. We do two Let's Talk Native shows, and, and we're doing our New York show out of this studio here. Um, so, and we couldn't do it without, without your support. So we want to thank you guys. I also want to thank all of you who share the shows, whether it's the New York show uh, that I do for WBAI in New York City or whether it's the, the shows we do here for Let's Talk Native that uh, are predominantly Internet and podcasts, but um, also uh, they show up on a couple of other radio stations and uh, Internet stations as well. But all of you who share the, the videos and the audio, the podcasts, um, uh, the Facebook live streams, all that stuff, um, you guys help me get the word out. And look, if you don't agree with what I'm talking about here, that's fine too. I'm trying to start conversations, and and I'm certainly willing to be challenged on some of this stuff. And and if you don't agree with, you know, my assessment on fattening the curve versus flattening the curve, I get it. This is the conversation that, that that I want people to have. I want people to understand. I also want people to be to think critically about the information that you're being fed. I know most of the native people who are out there calling this a hoax are looking at it the complete opposite way that I, I think that there's a lot of um uh propaganda being spooned out with this thing but not in the same way i don't think that this is being built you know built up so they can install chips and um and declare martial law and all that other stuff um i think some of that stuff could come out of this <laughs> out of this thing but i think that this thing is being downplayed because guys like donald trump are the only thing he could brag about was his, was the economy and and most of that economy that was positive was only positive for the very extremely wealthy so 
there, there. I mean, the the income inequality was huge, and and so the, his his employment numbers and his stock market numbers and you know all, all of that stuff he he could brag about has gone away with this thing. So he wants this thing to go away too, and that's my concern about how the flattening of the curve is being described, how the uh, you know the the plateaus or the apexes are being described. At the end of the day, I still, there's, I still think there's a huge problem because most of the data is only based on the rate of testing. S- rates of infection, you know, um, death rates, all of the other numbers that are being derived out of all of these charts and graphs and dashboards and websites are still relying almost completely on, uh, on test confirmed or confirmed by test uh, cases. So when... A, a statement gets issued from New York City saying, look, we got a bunch of people who are dying at home. We think that there may be a, between 180, 195 people a day dying at home. Then uh, that may be COVID, but they haven't been tested. That kind of throws a wrinkle in the hole. And that's only just New York City. New York City has been the most bold about saying things like the 400% increase in cardiac arrest. And cardiac arrest is one of the things that happens because of this disease. Pneumonia and cardiac arrest or cardiac arrest because of pneumonia is, is the most common way that this, this disease takes lives. And so now this last bit that they put out there saying that there was over 3,700 people that have died since March 11th, that they're saying the cause of death was either COVID or, you know, something similar or it's equivalent. They're not even showing up on all these other, uh, all this other data, but even without that number, like I said, today was uh, you know today was the the highest number yet for the for the number of deaths in the United States twenty four hundred people in a single day. So, and and again, I think that number is not accurate. It's it's probably it could be twice that because all the people who die who haven't been tested they're not being ca- they're not being counted the same way. You know, and I saw a bunch of people say, well, the CDC is telling people to put down cause of death COVID nineteen. Well, in New York City. What they're saying is that it's probable that they did die of COVID-19 or its equivalent. That's not the same thing as saying that, 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 uh, that it has been definitively defined. And, and the fact is they aren't going to test dead people. So I'm saying all this stuff um, because I think people have to be aware and do take this stuff seriously. And look, and if you're out there, out and about, and you want to go someplace to raise hell, don't. Stay the freak home. You know, the, the best thing you can do for yourself is try to stay away from other people for as long as period as you can. You know, like I said, uh, um, I, I believe one of the reasons there hasn't been the number of, of hospital admissions that, uh, that there could have been, I believe a whole lot of people don't want to go to the hospital. Not only because they've been hearing for six weeks how the hospitals were, were, were going to be overrun or are overrun, but here's the other thing. Once you get admitted, you can't have visitors. So if, if being close with your family, look, the reason hospice is so popular and, and has, has, has had this movement towards hospice care is because people would rather be at home in their final days or, you know, whether they are really their final days, you know, and so they, they'd rather die at home. But to the extent that people would rather have care in their own home rather than some cold hospital with limited access to your own family i i think that's a big contributor 
So I think the numbers are not accurate, and 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 they can't be accurate. There's there's virtually no way to come up with the the the, the numbers that would be satisfying to to really track this this uh, the spread, and you know, and that's unfortunate. All right, I, as I mentioned, I want to talk a little bit about what's happening closer to home here. Um, you know, I live on the Cattaraugus territory of Seneca Nation. I'm not Seneca, so you know I, that's um, I gotta say it <laughs> say it straight up. Um, but it was really just a matter of time before there was going to be a confirmed case in in Seneca territory, and two cases, you know, at least two cases, one in Allegheny and one uh, here in Cattaraugus, um, happened within you know maybe even within a day of each other, and. And of course, that sends shockwaves. It shouldn't have because it should have been anticipated. And these are only these are two cases of that are confirmed by test. Now there have been people sick for months that that haven't been able to get tested. In fact, if you were sick and you lived in Cattaraugus or Allegheny, what you were told was then just go home and self quarantine for fourteen days. And so, if you were sick and you didn't get violently sick to where you had to be admitted into a hospital then you were probably going to cycle through and get through the other side of this thing. And nobody would ever know whether you had it or not. Now, if by the time you, de- you, you develop symptoms, you may have already shared the thing with, with a bunch of people. So it goes with, without saying that because this attempt to flatten the curve was not the kind of isolated, you know, isolation and shutdown that really could have stopped the spread just slow the spread so eventually and and look cataraugus here uh the cataraugus territory of Nation was the last place that erie county anyway had listed without an infection so it, it was held off pretty good i guess for a while so now here it is but the immediate reaction has been against the outside and and Look, there appears to have been a confirmed case on the um, on the Tonawanda territory as well. The, the Tonawanda Senecas, their territory has a confirmed case too, and, sa- and the same kind of reaction. Oh, well, we need to shut out the outside. There's no there's no way to determine whether somebody got sick because of an outsider coming onto the territory, or because this definition of essential services is such that people are still going to Walmart. I'm still going to Walmart. I don't do it every day. And I, and I do try to be careful, but some, look, you go, you go to any place, look, and they've listed the New York state has liquor stores listed as essential services. <laughs> and at this point they might be, but, um, so the number of, of stores and facilities and businesses that are, con- that have passed them the test for essential services is pretty broad and they haven't had a standard protocol I mean, look. You can go into some grocery stores, and the and the people have a plastic sheet in front of them, and they're and they've got masks on. They have gloves. Others have none. Same thing with fast food. I've gone through fast food where some people are wearing gloves and some people aren't. Some people are wearing masks. Some people aren't. So, the I mean, the standards are all over the map, which means, of course, that the, that the thing's going to continue to spread. But um, once. They, a couple of cases were confirmed here on the Seneca Nation. 
the Seneca Nation took some steps, and um, and the president of Seneca Nation declared um, a stay-at-home order. Now, th- there was already a bit of a, a stay-at-home recommendation, I guess, um, but now that's been upped to, I mean, this is literally saying all individuals residing on the Seneca Nation territory are ordered to remain in their residences. I'm not just stay at home in your on your property. They're saying they're ordered to remain in their residences between 8 p.m. and 6 a.m. Now, I don't even know how that's possibly enforced. Honestly, I don't even know if under the, the, the Seneca Nation Constitution if the president has the authority to even order such a thing. But but it's been done. It's been done. And and I know it's been done for, for good intentions, but it is somewhat problematic. It says all visitors to the Seneca Nation must leave the territory by 7.30 p.m. Well, but this is being said um, excluding... Uh, essential services so i don't even know what that means if, if you if if the stores that are, that operate on the seneca territory are considered essential services because they sell food or gas does that mean that customers can't come anymore i mean there's there's a lot that doesn't make sense to me so again so a knee-jerk reaction this uh this you know rather firm uh, in strict order, effective Sunday, April 12th at 8 p.m., all businesses other than those that provide essential services. I thought all the businesses were closed that weren't providing essential services, but they must be closed and they got to close at 8 p.m. and can't open till 6. I don't know what stores were open that weren't, that wouldn't fit the definition of an essential service. So, I, I mean, this is an activity that, that the, you know, uh, an order that the, um, President of Senate Nation has taken, and I'm not look. I'm not trying to criticize, you know, Ricky Armstrong, the, the president. But there's this is very reactive to the fact that two cases showed up. Now in Tonawanda, from what I understand out there, there has been a bit of a movement. And, and again, I if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I got a call from some people who said the men are trying to shut off Tonawanda so nobody can come uh, come onto the territory. Well. The difference between Tonawanda and Seneca Nation territory is Tonawanda doesn't have main thoroughfares. I mean, they have one road, Bloomingdale, that goes kind of through, um, you know, right through to uh, to, to um, Akron. Um, but it isn't, you know, that would be the only main, the, the most main road that would that would be closed, I guess. But it doesn't have the throughway like Cattaraugus does. It doesn't have Interstate 86 like Allegheny does. It doesn't have routes five and twenty, like Cattaraugus does, or or routes two nineteen and uh, seventeen, like uh, like uh, uh, Allegheny does. So the the it's not the same calculation about shutting it off. And I know, <laughs> I I know that Ricky Armstrong isn't talking about shutting the throughway down at eight o'clock. You know, or, or or assessing people because you know because those exits are either side of the the Senegation territory, or you know the road goes through. So there's stuff that's a little you know indifferent here. And of course, the other thing that's that's um, on the Allegheny territory is that Salamanca is a non-native municipality located on the Senegation territory. Now I understand they've got like a curfew in place as well, but this is kind of awkward. In Tonawanda, it's probably an easier thing to shut the thing down. But again, there are businesses that will be impacted by that. Now, one of the things that that I've that happens 
quite often is there'll be some impetus for some of the general public in on native territories to let their anti-business juices flow and that's what we started seeing here you know among the concerns um you know that that went to you know sh- shutting the NFDA bus coming to the territory was that fact that people were coming on a bus you know on using western new york public transit to come to cataraugus to you know to buy goods to buy buy cigarettes and such and would those people be carrying in you know covid-19 well you also have in both allegheny and cataraugus um a fuel war that's been going on where where gas is being sold for more than a dollar less than than off territory prices you know uh, down in the in the 70 something cents range in in some stores and that's obviously going to bring people out um people can only fill their car so many times but uh but but so a certain segment of the of the population and the same thing i'm, I'm sure happens out in, in Tonawanda, while these damn businesses are bringing bringing the disease onto our territories and of course there's no way of knowing that there's no way of knowing unless it is a store clerk who uh who hasn't left the territory who only goes to work who gets sick that might be the only way you can make the assumption that's that a customer brought it in but if but if that store clerk is going to to shop at walmart and or wherever (laughs) then there's no way of knowing whether that store clerk went out and picked up the disease out there and brought it back or whether a you know a non-native customer brought it to territory look and i i get the whole idea of trying to limit travel and i think we as native people we have the right to close off our territories if we deem the outside a threat i just think that there has to be um a pretty unanimous there has to be consent within the territory to do it i would think and I'm not trying to make pit this just against businesses against you know um, against residents. I, no, that's not what I'm suggesting at all. Um, but keep in mind that the businesses do have some people still working. You know, and look, I I get it. There's I know there's a whole lot of native people who will talk about sovereignty all day long. And when there's a check to be gotten from from Donald Trump, they'll sign up for him. So, but I, I get it. I mean, look, the, the money's out there; it's available. You know, why not? Why not go for it? I guess. But and, and look, and I'm even hearing you know, and the NPR stations say, look, if you have a choice of staying home and collecting unemployment, or going to work and placing yourself at risk, they've never said this before. I've never heard anybody say, stay home and collect unemployment rather than go out and get a job or or, or go to your job. But that's what they're saying now. So it's it's a it's a completely different mindset. For our native territories, can we all sit back and hope that the federal government is going to send us checks? And if they send us checks, what do we do with them if we can't even shop in our own in our own community because we're we're taking on, you know, an anti-business sentiment here? And look, I, I know we don't have a whole lot of full service. Um, enterprises on our territories. We, we've got some basic grocery items that are sold at some stores. And, and I think some of those guys are taking a pretty good hit. So this, and there's a, there's a different calculation that's got to be, be thought of here. And, you know, and again, this is, this is tough, folks. 
there's no easy answers to this thing. You know, as I'm going back and forth with people on Twitter and and Facebook and emailing people, I don't have a solution to this thing. And nobody does. I mean, that's why you've got politicians, you know, on either side of the political spectrum and, and frankly, native politicians as well. You know, I, I, you know, Jake and I talked about me trying to get somebody from Navajo territory uh, to kind of talk about their circumstance because they're they're one of the native territories getting hit the hardest, and uh, and you know, and my some of the initial feedback I got from a few people is most of the lead, leadership in Navajo are such devout Christians. All they're saying is pray. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, if the only thing you're going to offer people is to pray then you shouldn't be in that freaking position. Get the hell out of the office because don't you don't need a counselor to tell you that. They, they have priests for that. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, what I will say is praying isn't the answer. And, you know, and, I've, and I've said this before, you're not going to vote and you're not going to pray yourself out of trouble. In, in this situation, we all need to... It's, it's the irony of working together but working apart, and, and that's, what, that's what's really at play here. I think you know we have to limit our exposure to you know to to people as much as possible, and and unfortunately, even doing that, it's probably going to spread. You're probably still going to have the same rate of infection, but you hope that that while you know, when people who do have compromised uh, health system, you know whether it's their you know respiratory issues or some underlying underlying conditions, you hope that you can easily get them uh treatment which is complicated it's complicated i mean look where we live here in cataraugus the closest hospital we had we had which is you know only only about 10 miles down the road is closed now it's it's not even in business so we've got to travel all the way to dunkirk or all the way to buffalo to to even get health care um the clinic has not been able to um they still have not been able to administer uh tests not the uh the Seneca Nation Health Services. Um, Ricky Armstrong, in a statement last week, suggested that was coming, but <clears throat> we're talking about two months into this thing. So apparently, it must have been an afterthought for for Native people to finally be able to do testing, which is probably what can, has contributed to, to to some of what the the, the Navajo are facing. Look, you know, I, I'm not. Uh, gonna say well we as native people we've lived through this before because i think that's a callous thing to say because the reality is many didn't you know when i talk about people saying well we we survived um residential schools no many didn't you know the 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 infections that that came you know with you know uh with colonization wiped out 90 percent of our population we can't have that we I mean, we can't we can't afford that you know culturally you know uh, you know or you know our, our families can't can't take that kind of uh, uh that kind of loss so we we've got to be careful look this this disease doesn't kill everybody um but it does you know it has taken lives and it, and it's and will continue to take lives the one thing i said on the last show that that concerned me was when when i heard when I heard uh, um, Trump's doctors, Fauci and what's the other woman's name? I never remember her name. Burks, Burks, right? Of, of uh, Fauci and Burks suggesting that um, 
the estimates of uh, loss of life between 100 and 200,000 uh, was probably uh, too large, that it's pro- it may only be 60,000. And I'm thinking, that's, to, to, down, to lower that estimate before, you, before you've been able to test more than 1% of the population is absurd to me. You know, I, there may be, there may be 100,000 people that have died of this, this disease already. And they just don't know. And, and frankly, this is where politics comes into the whole thing. Politics and economics come into the whole thing. I, trust me, Trump does not want a crashed economy on his watch. He's got it. But as long as he can pitch this idea that it would have been worse if he wasn't such a great leader, and as long as there, there are gullible idiots out there who, who are going to believe that stuff, and when the scientists and the doctors and the statisticians are using numbers on a website that cannot possibly reflect reality because they have no way of, because they aren't testing dead people and and they've only tested less than 1% of the uh, of the population it just it, it just makes your mind you know twirl to think we're, and we're supposed to believe all this stuff I mean, like I said, there's uh, what's the what's the total uh, twenty six thousand? Um, yeah, there's there's only tw- over twenty six thousand deaths in the United States right now. I that are confirmed by test, and then you hear New York City saying, "Well, we got another thirty seven hundred that uh, that are probably you know that probably should be uh, characterized as death by COVID nineteen." That's just one city. So when you look across the country. You know, people who you know who have either died of pneumonia, or you know some other organ failure associated with 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 a respiratory illness. We don't know what that number is going to be, and since they're never going to test those folks if they weren't tested already, then you'll never you'll never know. Nobody's ever going to know what the what the total death count is on this thing. And all those people who you know again we're trying to downplay it. Saying, oh, they're, they're hyping this thing up. It's not nearly as contagious. It's not nearly as deadly. Look, it, it doesn't have a 50% death rate. But thus far, it's got a 4% one. And, and frankly, the United States, it's closer to 5%. So that's problematic. Now, that's, five, that's, that's a death rate based on only on the people who have been tested. There, there's a whole lot of people who, if we're, we're tested, maybe maybe completely symptom-free. That would bring that death rate down some. But you know what? Those aren't the people who are being tested. The only people being tested at this point are people so sick they're going to the hospital because they can't breathe. And that and or in some cases, if you're if you're pregnant and you're starting to have these symptoms, and that and frankly, that's that's part of one of the ways it's uh it's shown itself here in Cataraugus. But the numbers are are not the end all um accurate information they they do not provide the adequate window to view this thing and it's important that people realize that we still have to use our own common sense here and and uh, so when you get a governor t- telling you oh it's fine now you can all go back to work or a president telling you that you know maybe it will be time to go to work but 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 do know one thing 
even all those people who got tested and tested negative are still susceptible to, to catching this thing. So this is not over by a long shot. Like I said, flattening the curve means fattening the curve. This thing is going to stretch out for months. There's no evidence that, that heat is somehow killing it. One of the, the hot spots, you know, literally, one of the hot spots for this disease is New Orleans. Not exactly the coldest place on the planet. You know, some of the, um, the places in Asia and Australia that have been uh, struck by this thing are, are, are not, yeah, have, have not come out of uh, the winter on this thing. So the, the numbers you're being fed and the, on these daily briefings every single day, I'm, I'm sorry. I think hospital admissions is a poor measure of of whether this thing is uh, is subsiding at all, and and you know, and while I I will give Andrew Cuomo credit, he's saying, look, we've reached his apex, but the apex is terrible. When you reach the apex and you hang there for a week or two or three, that means you're at the highest level of infection, the highest level of death, daily deaths. And you're hanging there. Look, it's great to say, okay, our death rate's not increasing. Well, until today. Again, the highest number of deaths in a single day in the United States today, 2,407 uh, 2, people. And those are people, folks. Those, that's not just a stat. So when I hear D Donald Trump talking about being gloriously victorious over this disease... And winning this thing beautifully, or whatever other you know superlatives he wants he wants to throw at at this thing, it's it's ridiculous to not understand that people are dying in the United States twenty four hundred in a single day. So as I watch guys who sit in front of their computers and you know uh, and, and are working for the Trump administration saying oh we're, we're gonna we're gonna scale that number down and we're gonna say only 60,000 people are gonna die are you gonna make the numbers match that are your graphs going to indicate reality or are you gonna make the graphs match the, the number that you want so you can put people back to back to work I don't know this is what this is what we have yet to to see, folks. In the meantime, look, stay home, stay home and close to your families. And you know, look, I don't. I'm not even spending time with my grandkids anymore. This is the the, the sacrifice. And, and look, in, in the long term, we we've, we've got to think about the most vulnerable people in our families that we want to keep healthy. So stay home, and. Uh, you know, be safe. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. We'll see you in a few days. Yahweh.